passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind a Raw. I'm John Pollock, he's waiting. How are you tonight, Way? I'm doing well. Yeah, pretty well. Not so bad. Yourself? I'm all right. I think I'm coming down with something. My my throat's all acting up and stuff. Oh no! It's that time of season. It's that time of the year. It is. Where John Paul shot? I got my flu shot on Sunday. A day later, I'm not. I'm not feeling great. So I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not going to paint a correlation between the two. But I'm just stating that 24 hours ago, I got my flu shot, and today. Not feeling so great. Yeah, hopefully it's nothing too serious. I mean, I feel like you've had a bad stretch. Cut your finger the other day. <laughs> Might be coming down with the flu today. Yeah, the the finger is on the uh, it's on the mend. It was a little. It's like an irritating cut. You know what I mean when you uh, when you slice your finger open. Uh, so that that's healing. But yeah, it was a it was a weekend full of um, a two year old that. Doesn't agree with the notion of sleeping any longer, uh, coupled with the fact he was getting sick, so I'm getting sick. So that was my weekend. Yours? Um, I don't think I'm getting sick, but now that I've said that, who knows? You're, you're just going to want to stay away from Well, you don't have to interact with me for several days, at least in person, so that's good. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, tomorrow we we can do Rwanda Way via Skype. But um, Oh, are you coming over tomorrow? No, no. I, I I was considering it, but I guess now that I know you're sick, I'm staying far away from you. Okay, well, I'll give you an update tomorrow if it's any different, but maybe that's that's the best option. Yeah. I, I should have invited Brandon from New Jersey over. I'd be I'd be fine to cough in his direction. Well, the it's an open door, John. It's an open <laughs> It's open door. doors, everyone. Yeah. We wish Brock Lesnar knew about this whole open door policy a month mm-hmm. ago. Yeah. Anyway. Well, we're going to get into all of that. Uh you know, every every Monday afternoon, way I start to uh, put together our lineup, our news of what we're going to discuss. And I was looking at everything. It was like you and I always have stuff to discuss, but it was it was not a day that was uh, jumping at me of like crazy news. I was like, okay, what are we going to do? Talk for twenty minutes about Bash at the Beach? I was like, well, we'll probably get into the show rather quick tonight. And then Monday night occurs, and that seems to be the trend. It's either a crazy day or it's a crazy evening, and all the, the night is just sailing along, and then all of a sudden, uh, there is a uh, uh, Tony Khan went went Def Con one on Twitter, and Randy Orton with a 
reply out of nowhere. And things went, went crazy between these two tonight. Yeah, is there a, a, a latest rebuttal? No, no, just the, uh, the, the initial back and forth. So we'll see if the, the, this will continue. Of course, Randy Orton had a bloody main event to get ready for. So I, I don't know. <laughs> I love the idea of this guy on his phone on Twitter looking up uh, scandals involving Shahid Khan and then tweeting Tony Khan about them and then having to go put his match together. Well, I'm sure uh, the the night is young. I wonder if we'll get a, a response from Randy by the end of this podcast. Well, we'll get into all of that stuff. Um, but let us talk about what is most pressing, and that is postwrestling.com. It's uh, the week of the Survivor Series, so we have lots of stuff. And there's going to be a takeover of the post office because Braden and Davey are going to uh, be walking through those open doors several times this week. They are going to be all over the site. So some of the shows you can look forward to this week. First up, we have Rewind Away on Tuesday night, episode number 49. And who's going to be joining us for this grand edition of Rewind Away? None other than Brandon from New Jersey, who has selected Heroes of Wrestling. A show that I had to sit down and watch for two hours and 35 minutes this past weekend. Yeah, that was my um, pre-raw viewing today, so... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like about five, six hours into my wrestling day. And for once, um, I can say that <laughs> the worst wrestling I saw on Monday did not come in the third hour of raw. No, no, it did not. So tune in Tuesday night for that. Everybody, the, the, the final look ever at heroes of wrestling from October of 1999. And boy, do I have lots to discuss about that show. On Wednesday, we've got Rewind to Dynamite and Up Next coming your way as it is uh, the Open Doors edition of NXT that Braden and Davey will review. And Dynamite, that has a pretty Dynamite lineup ahead of, t- uh, ahead of Wednesday show in Indianapolis. What was on it? We've got Ray Phoenix versus Nick Jackson, John Moxley versus Darby Allin. They've got the uh, Private Party versus Santana and Ortiz uh, tribute match for Matt Travis. And then there is a Diamond Dozen Battle Royal. Right. For the for the ring. Got it. Uh, for the finalists. The final two will then face the next week for the coveted Diamond Ring. I see. Next week. Yes. Okay. So that is all uh, coming up on Wednesday. Thursday, it's the Cafe Hangout. Uh, joining us will be Braden and Davey. They will be here in studio, and we will be chatting about the, the entire weekend coming up. So Br- bring your face mask, Braden and Davey, because... We're we're apparently in with, um, I don't know, a very contagious John Pollock. Well, if if illness is a, is a pattern for me, right now is the calm before the storm. Tomorrow's going to be awful. Wednesday will be not much better, and then I think I'll make the rebound Thursday morning, and I should be fine by Friday. That that's typically how these things work. So I think. By Thursday, we'll be through the rest of it. However, I will volunteer to go into the other room and Skype in. <laughs> I, I think that'll be fine. We'll pull up a screen. We'll, we'll see what happens. You know, um, what, maybe I, maybe you guys down, can uh, maybe you can deal Madden me. You can put me through this table, and then I'll disappear for eternity. And Samoa we'll Joe have Samoa Joe place? come do the preview on on Thursday. Well, one can only hope. But no, one man goes down, we'll all go down. It's all good. Oh, well, I hope not for the sake of our uh, our endeavor here called post wrestling. 
So tune in Thursday. If you're a patron, then you can tune in live. And you can also call in, as so many do, each and every week. It's always fun to uh, hear from so many of you. On Friday, uh, there's nothing, actually, because uh, Way and I are going to hang out on Friday night. Is this correct? Yes, we are. Yeah. We are Way and I out. are going to a concert together on Friday night. Uh, our good friend, Dan Lebransky, and his group, the Cliff Divers, are playing uh, a very in-demand show on Friday night. There are 11 tickets remaining, and I scooped up two of them over the weekend. So Way and I are going to go see that. Um and then we're going to have Rewind to SmackDown up on Saturday. So we will be a day later, but with it being a day later, the nerds and all of us, we can go through the ratings on Saturday. Won't that be fun? Perfect. All exactly um, how I, I've always wanted to spend my Saturday mornings, going yes. through numbers. Uh, then Saturday night, Braden and Davey back yet again. They will have the TakeOver post-show going through War Games. And then Sunday, Thunderstruck with WH Park. And Matt McEwen, they'll be chatting about Jushin Thunder Liger, Great Muda, from October of 1996, the first appearance from Kishin Liger. So they will talk about the uh, the genesis of that version of Jushin Thunder Liger. And then the whole week wraps up Sunday night with the Survivor Series post-show, where Way and I will welcome Brayden Davey in studio, and the four of us are going to run through Survivor Series. So that will be live for Double Double, Ice Cap, and Espresso members, and up as a free podcast Monday morning. A lot of crossover with NXT this week, and I think very appropriate considering the uh, the week's festivities. So uh, tune into all of our podcasts for that. I'm very excited. Postwrestling.com is where you can check out all of that as well as the full schedule. Now into the news we go, and we'll start off in the world of AEW. Well, you know what? We, we teased it off the top. Let, let's start off with uh, the back and forth uh, involving, well, this all started with CM Pumpkin Pie on Twitter, a.k.a. CM Punk, a.k.a. WWE Backstage Correspondent CM Punk, who simply tweeted out, it is weird trying to catch up on five-plus years of wrestling. I'm doing what I can. There's bright spots, mostly women from what I can tell. There's bad, too. I'm going to talk about it. And no one is safe. Join us. Any tags, Renee Young, WWE on Fox, Booker T, Paige, Vince McMahon, and Tony Khan. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I saw the tweet first before, I guess, I saw the replies. And I don't I don't know if it was that odd. I mean, it's just CM Punk kind of throwing out names out there. Like, on Twitter, you can tag anybody you want. Maybe someone interesting that... Let, let me Punk. just say this about CM Punk, is that this guy, for every time that he will go out and talk about, oh... I, I never stop people from asking me in interviews. They can ask me wrestling. They can ask me whatever I want, but it's I'm not looking for that attention. I'm not looking for all this. This guy at his core, this guy loves to stir shit. He loves to do this stuff, and he had to be glowing that the end result was this. If he threw like a pebble into the ocean, what he got was a tsunami that he could never have expected. This, this must have been his best case scenario was that Tony Khan and Randy Orton start going at it. And I'm sure this dude was howling at this. Oh, I'm sure it is. Cause in the end, uh, I'm sure Fox loves this too. Cause everybody is retweeting the fact that CM Punk is going to be on Fox. Um, certainly I, I think this promotion for this show and his appearance on that show couldn't have gone better at the, as a result of this tweet. Uh, I, but I agree. I don't think anybody would have expected Tony to actually respond, and especially in the way that he has. So Tony Khan's response, which is about four hours after Punk's tweet, 
He asks, no one is safe? Sounds like a plane full of wrestlers in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, wow. So this is Tony Khan. Now, there are times that you may be tagged in a tweet or even directly ask something or it, it provides it, it's there's an opening for a response. And Tony Khan had an opening here, but man, did he really just this easily could have been ignored by Tony Khan. I was very surprised he not only responded, but absolutely stunned that he responded with what he did. Yes. Because Tony Khan has been painfully non-combative with WWE whenever he has been given the opportunity. Exactly. Um, not only that, I think, you know, he has sort of a certain reputation to uphold. You don't see Vince McMahon engaging, you know, in Twitter wars. You don't see Paul Levesque doing so. Uh, I don't know if you see Shahid Khan doing doing so or, or not, but I feel like this type of behavior is is definitely... I would say, um, I don't know, unusual and maybe even looked down upon for somebody in his position, especially the, the, the you know, the words, I guess, you know, the uh, maybe, maybe just, you know, um, the theatrical uh, use of, of, I think, the Saudi Arabia jab. Um, but which some people were very turned off by the fact that being the elite made fun of this last week. I haven't seen it. What, what, what was the uh, reference? So they did their bit at the beginning of last week's episode, and it was the Young Bucks um, pretty much making light of the travel issues and then pretty much insinuating that the WWE talent that took to Twitter to kind of like slam the reports and and bury the media, that they were all robots. And mm. they okay. – and, you know, it's – it was a story that was out there, and I can see how some people thought this was – if you're a fan, just seeing that these guys are making light of a of a very big story. But to the talent that was actually stranded over there uh, for, for those 24 hours, uh, you can imagine how that went over uh, with them. So anyway, it's it's not the first time that yeah, AEW has – it's a topical has, story. You know? uh, that, that's what I, you – I mean, if you, if you look at being the elite as like a Saturday Night Live, I mean – Saturday Night Live would would make fun of that, but you can if you were directly involved, I'm sure you would not necessarily find the humor in it. Right. What I found interesting was maybe the demeanor that Tony Khan came back at CM Punk for what I didn't consider to be that. Uh, I don't know. Um, no, ag- nothing aggressive. that required a response of that level. No, it was certainly not an aggressive tweet from Punk uh, at all. So I mean, I just kind of take it to 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 indicate that Tony was looking to have a bit of that Twitter fun that seems so. I think uh, difficult to stay away from if you're somebody on Twitter for whatever reason. And I don't know. Part of me speculates about what exactly went down between he and CM Punk uh, in any of those any AEW negotiations. I wonder if that might have any effect with with this, but maybe not. I oh, mean, and the, the residual feelings from the Mark Ramundi interview with Punk, where you know he was hardly complimentary about how uh, AEW. I mean, he was he was just very you know. Very down on AEW. Mm-hmm. Could be. And how they approach them. So obviously there's there's underlying issues there. So after Tony Khan's response comes in, Randy Orton. What's that whole thing about glass houses and stones? And links to an article from October of last year with the headline Jaguars owner Shahid Khan being investigated for corruption. And Tony Khan is quick to respond to that one. I thought you only tagged me in your posts when you were grasping for leverage. That article's over a year old and is about baseless claims made about my dad years ago. That's the best you can do. 
nothing. Meanwhile, in the time since that was written, you used the N-word on Twitch. Yes, of course, referencing. Um, I guess this, this Twitch video that came out or something that didn't really get a ton of coverage. And I don't even know if it deserved to, to get that much coverage. But certainly it was something that was not picked up by too many people or didn't wasn't discussed as much as maybe it could have been. And here's Tony Khan making perhaps um, using it as ammunition to try to get people to perhaps talk about it a little bit more in case you didn't hear about it. Um, I, I didn't, exp- I didn't think Tony had it in him to be honest. You know, he just comes across. This is very much. And I, I am not familiar with uh, Tony Khan's uh, Twitter conduct prior to AEW because I, I was not following him as a, as a Jaguars uh, owner or with Fulham. But uh, yeah, this is not uh this is not the response you would have expected uh, from Tony Khan. And also, responding in this way, it almost made it impossible for, like, no other talent is going to jump in here on Randy's behalf because it's almost like you're then defending Randy that, you know, this this happened, what, what Tony Khan is bringing up here. I don't yeah. think anyone wants to touch this. Well, I mean, if we're going to go down this path, uh, there's certainly a whole lot of dirt that could be brought up about anybody at this point. Um, I don't know exactly how, you know, how clean Tony or Shahid Khan may be. I'm not sure, but you got to ask yourself if like how long you want this to continue. Cause we can all, we can all blow up. Um, but, um, I, so I do, do you look at this as just a, a night where Tony Khan maybe should have just simply, uh, put his phone down instead of going to tweet, or do you see this as a different, uh, tack that Tony Khan is now going to take with WWE, a much more combative tone here or, well, uh, or or do you see this as just an, an aberration from what's been a pretty pretty much um you know non non confrontational Tony Khan? Well, I don't know what the end result of this whole thing is yet. As at this moment, there there have been no responses to Tony Khan from any other talent. Um, the story could be very different. I think a couple hours from now or a couple minutes from now to see exactly where this ends. If it ended right at this point, I would say Tony was certainly. I don't think he was wrong to respond here because by all accounts, it seems like he has the public's favor with this particular tweet where, I mean, I think, you know, if your dad's reputation is in and your company's the company owner's reputation is under attack, you certainly, you know, will feel compelled to defend it. And I think he did a, a decent job. Um, well, him saying that the article is over a year old um, and that they're baseless claims made about his dad. It it seems to be enough to maybe call a lot of you know um, people who who might be critical. Uh, but bringing up the N word thing certainly um, shifts the shifts the focus back onto Randy, shifts the spotlight back onto Randy. So I think if we're talking about just a Twitter war standpoint, I think to, uh, Tony was right to fire back, and he had the stronger stronger attack. But the yeah, question so- is, you know, should a boss of a company? be participating in a Twitter war to begin with. Yeah, you can certainly argue that. I mean, there is, um, you know, there is the the Dana White philosophy that, I mean, he has greatly reduced his um, confrontations online. But, I mean, for years, I mean, this guy would dive into these. And he was criticized by a lot of people for the way he acted. But at the same time, it was, it became part of Dana White's appeal to people was that, you know, this guy would literally get into back and forth with with trolls online and come off. I thought he came off terribly when he would do that stuff, but it just it became part of his persona. I would say it's not often that 
people come across well, you know, when they engage in something like this, whether or not you're right or on the wrong side. Anybody who just, like, you know, uh, participates just comes across looking a little stupid. But I, I have a feeling maybe internally, I'm sure he's enjoying a bit of this from, uh, you know, I'm sure it's a little bit of fun. But if if it gets more out of hand than it currently has, um, I I don't know. I can't really see him continuing on that much longer i certainly don't see people telling him to continue for that much longer all right moving on we'll stay on uh with aew and they have made several announcements on monday the first being that the january 15th edition of dynamite is going to be promoted as bash at the beach from miami and this was a uh a trademark that cody had had ended up getting the rights to back in march this was one that uh, WWE did not have, and Cody picked up a bunch of these that he noted uh, earlier this year, which he had stated at the time that you know he was kind of downplaying that these were going to be used for anything. He had actually tweeted when the story came out that he had these trademarks that uh, they're personal and most aren't intended for AEW. I filed and claimed over 50 in the last few months. I'm just trying to get some of dad's cattle back. That's the story. But uh, Bash at the Beach is an event that they are going to use, and uh, I, I don't think um, an awful idea. If you've got these, uh, you kind of you can't just get a trademark and then not use it. You you have to use these. I think it's a great idea to obviously to to use it and to grab them. I mean, they it invokes a great deal of nostalgia, and you know it it dresses up an otherwise pretty typical edition of AEW Dynamite to feel something special. Like it's something special and maybe even something you can repeat every single year. So it's absolutely brilliant. I, I guess I'm a little confused. Can anybody simply go out and grab these titles? Because wouldn't WWE, wouldn't this be a part of WWE's IP when, when they picked up WCW? Well, it's you've got to be able to use these or else they, they lapse. Like you oh, have okay. to be able to – you can't just hold something in perpetuity forever. So, um, But you, they're not using the – I guess they are selling NWO shirts. Um, let's see what they aren't using. Um, There's several that they have. Like, obviously, they're they're promoting. They do a Starcade event every year, and they've got the rights. They've got the rights to some, but others, like War Games, for instance, that was one that. Out. Can I have that? Uh, you, you'd have to look it up. Um, so, sold out might be available. I don't know if that would be one you would go after. Um, but yeah, it, like War Games was one. MLW got the rights to War Games, and then over the past year, they sold it back to WWE. And that's why MLW is using War Chamber, but they had been able to get the the trademark for War Games. So let's say, um, you know, we just reviewed WWF's The Big Event. I mean, they haven't done that show in forever. Can I go and buy that copyright? You might be able to if it's if it's available. You could. This is really strange to me. I didn't realize that like things worked out this way. And I'm sure. I mean, it's probably a lot more complicated than maybe what we're discussing. So if you have any insight, I'd love to know. But um, if it's that easy to just, like, grab one of these, I think Cody was certainly very smart to pick up some of his dad's cattle, as he would say. Um, it also makes you wonder, like, I guess, you know, what what sort of agreement he might have. Is he loaning these to AEW then? You know, if he's the, technically the, the rights holder, or, or is it more perhaps maybe a more of a handshake deal? Who knows? Well, as an executive of the company... Um... Yeah, I, I, I don't know the the, the technical uh, arrangement that that would be because, yeah, it wasn't AEW, the corporation, that had the rights to this. It was specifically Cody Runnels that you can read on the uh, on the trademark application for this that he got back in March. 
So, and I don't uh, know how much this would work if it wasn't for Cody using that justification. Like if it was anybody just grabbing, let's say like, I don't know, um, Halloween Havoc, uh, and, and using it on their brand new wrestling promotion. I feel like that would come across maybe a little bit, I don't know, cheap and just unoriginal, but I think did, I guess did, did Dusty come up with bash at the beach? Not bash at the beach. So what are his claims about dad's cattle then? What does that well, mean? I'm trying to think of the timing because first it was Beach Blast and then they moved it over to Bash at the Beach in 94. So Dusty uh-huh. was there. Um, okay. It's possible. I mean, Cody uh, considered this one of his. So for all I know, D- Dusty might have come up with the name of that. You know, I need to know, like, because Cody says he's filed and claimed over 50 of these in the last few months. I'd love to see this list. And how ridiculous somebody like did he grab the Yeti? Did he grab like you know, like the the faces of fear, like uncensored, um, everything? I'd love to see. Like he list. maybe he got all the bad ideas. Arachnaman, I hope he's got that. Well, uh, we'll find out. I I think that there is a certain obviously AEW. There is a certain WCW nostalgia to this company. But as we've talked about in the past, I think you you don't want it to override. Um, AEW itself and trying to be this progressive company that's presenting something new. I think it's fine to lean on history. And I think with AEW, the fact that you have Cody, that is a direct link to that era of WCW through his father, that you kind of have that, that goodwill that he's taking a name that WWE did not even want to use or market. And there is a nostalgia for that, but I would not want to see uh, 50 of these utilized and you're suddenly just um taking back wwe um ip or wcw ip and applying it to you like i want to see AEW kind of create their own identity as well and not just get lost in nostalgia because i think that's it has a short shelf life it's there's a novelty to it but you have to be careful with that for sure for sure and i think it's you know again this is a dynamite episode and not necessarily a pay-per-view that they're spending a ton of promotional power around exactly you know, yep. it, and again, just a way as a way to dress up an otherwise pretty generic edition of Dynamite. Why not? the The only weird thing is that it's in November. I mean, granted, it's in Miami, where I'm January. Sure be- oh, this is January. Sorry, the ticket on sale is is November. tickets are on sale. So what? January. It's still yeah. cold as shit everywhere around the world. I mean, I don't know if it's beach weather in Miami at that time. I guess it it, it is year round, but um, <laughs> anyway, something. It'll just make me jealous that I'm in Canadian freezing weather. Well, the following week, it's going to be matches taped on the uh, Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea. And so last year they did this, and you could watch some of the matches on on Fight TV. This week, it's going to comprise an entire episode of Dynamite. And I I just like the idea that they're going to get outside of an arena, and for one week, it's going to be a visually different show. And I, I think people are looking for just... So, uh, visually, something different. I think that was something WCW did very well when they would do the, the Club Labila shows and just get away from the standard arena setting for one week. For sure. Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to that. Just, uh, you know, something different. Something, something. I, I imagine the, the crowds to be excellent. Uh, I'm really curious to know how they produce these on a boat. Yeah. I mean, maybe um, maybe they'll have T-Pain. Do the theme that week. Oh, yes. 
It's a yes, very old song, yeah. so maybe not not quite that relevant. NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool 2 sold out in two hours on Monday, and then they announced uh, tapings for the upcoming year uh, for the brand as well. Were you surprised that this was a instant sellout at the Empress Ballroom? Um, Not that much, honestly, because... I think it tells you what the TakeOver brand still means. Uh, it's, it's that, Sean. They also only run like two shows a year. You know, at least branded as takeovers. So mm-hmm. I think if it's your chance to see like all these stars that you used to see every single week uh, under the same roof, probably have having some really hot matches. I, I don't certainly, um, you know, I, I'm not that surprised that a lot of people would want that ticket. It's not like the tapings are these hot tickets. So to me, it's right. like it's it's the combination. You're getting a much superior show with a takeover special. But I think it really tells you like takeovers. They will move tickets for you because they, they mean something. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next uh, next year, they've announced tapings for January 17th and 18th, March 6th and 7th, May 1st and 2nd, and then July 24th and 25th. Those last ones will be in Scotland. So, um, yeah, immediate sellout. And the TakeOver special, it's on a Sunday, January 12th, and it'll be on Sunday at 11.30 a.m., 4.30 uh, Greenwich Mean Time. So a Sunday morning NXT TakeOver. That sounds pretty good. You and I are not going to be here. Oh, you're right. So yes. we will be in Japan. Yeah, that weekend, there is the TakeOver special and an Impact pay-per-view. So Hard to Kill is going to be um, tough to see. Uh, yeah, for us. I mean, uh, maybe we'll we'll find time in between. I mean, in fact, it, it kind of works out for our hours. We'll just watch it in the morning. That's that's true. The time zone may turn out to be great. I remember when I was in Russia, it was so easy to watch everything. I remember watching a like I was still watching everything over there and I just watched it early in the morning before I had to do anything, before I had to work. Last time I was before I guess we started uh post wrestling, I I went to Japan the last time and I did podcasts with you and my routine would be to wake up at like seven AM, watch these shows at eight AM, and then do the show with you at like ten AM. And by the, by the, by noontime I'm like I'm I can enjoy my day. My work's already done. So you're saying you want to move to Europe or Asia? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. We'll uh, we'll take it under advisement. Um, the final SmackDown number uh, came out uh, earlier tonight, and the overnight number was pegged at two million three hundred fifty thousand viewers. And for those unfamiliar, the overnight number it it's an average of the top metered market, so it doesn't reflect the entire country. So that's why the final number that comes out on Monday evening, it may differ a little bit. Although since moving the Fox, the overnight's been pretty accurate overall. But this week, uh, it was down a little bit. It went from two million three fifty on the overnight number to two million three hundred and nine thousand viewers. So this was their lowest number um, by quite a bit since moving to Fox, throwing out that one week on FS1. They were still tied for first among adults eighteen to forty nine and adults eighteen to thirty four. Uh, fighting alongside Hawaii Five O, which is a huge hit on Fridays, oh, yeah. from what I gather. Yeah. Yes, they're doing much more viewers, but uh, tied in the uh, the demo number here with SmackDown. But um, yeah, this this was their lowest number on Fox. So we'll see if this week, um, being the live show from Chicago, going into Survivor Series, uh, if they get a bit of a bump, or is this kind of going to be where SmackDown is starting to level off? We're still trying to figure that out. 
Yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, as we head into, I guess, uh, mid mid November slash December, we might be getting a bit more of a clear picture of where the ratings stand, but things are still, I think, very much in flux for the next couple weeks. And just two quick things uh, to finish out here. The WWE's card in Mexico City on November 30th, there have been numerous changes to this card. It went from Rey Mysterio and Cain Velasquez teaming up to uh, Cain Velasquez was only going to make an appearance on the show. Now, the latest advertising, he's back on the show, but he's not teaming with Rey. He's teaming with Humberto Carrillo to take on Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. And the new main event they're pushing is The Fiend against Rey Mysterio in a steel cage match for the Universal title. Interesting. Okay. Um, so I guess the question is, you know, what exactly is the status of Kane's injury? I, I guess it's good enough that he can at least do a tag match or at least have a spot in a tag match. Yeah, unless we see any more changes between now and November 30th. But as of the latest advertising, he's back on and not teaming with Rey, which... It's kind of interesting that they're putting Ray in a cage match with Bray Wyatt in Mexico City for a non-televised show where you pretty much have to beat Ray in the main event. Right. Or unless there's some type of screwy finish. Which um, which we, there are plenty uh, on this edition of Raw, so I don't think they really have to. But it's a nice sounding main event for what seems like it's a big uh, is a big show in Mexico City. I really want to see The Fiend versus Cain Velasquez. Oh, I'm sure you, you might get your chance in the future. <laughs> I just I just want to see the MMA fans react uh, to to the uh, the the videos that would come out. Oh, I want to see Cain Velasquez in a red light match. Oh, like, quivering I want see, in the corner like Seth Rollins. Would love to hear Robin Black try to break that down. Oh, that would be that would be fantastic. He did a great one recently of some dude that would he like went off a skateboard and then he would fly into. A car with the window open. Okay, this isn't Darby Allen. No, it was not Darby Allen. Some okay. other guy. But anyway, it was this guy who could do this. And then the guy responded to Robin's breakdown of him. It was really funny. Robin oh. Black's got a great Instagram, everybody. And the final news item, uh, Joey Janela's Spring Break 4, April 3rd, next WrestleMania weekend, they have announced the Great Muda for the show. Okay, interesting. Phenomenal promotional video. Uh, this is going to be one that it is all on the mystique of the Great Muda because, man, I, I don't know what you can expect match-wise from the Great Muda. He just did a singles match with uh, Naomichi Marafuji on the uh, Noah Sumo Hall card. So I think you'll have a crowd that is uh, very welcoming of the Great Muda, but I think it's going to be a lot of uh, mist, dragon screws, and maybe a Shining Wizard. I think much of the draw will be to see who his opponent is. Um, and that could really, I don't know, it could be very fascinating. I mean, if you had your pick of any wrestler that Joey Janela and Game Changer Wrestling could possibly get against the Great Buddha, who would you pick, John? Tony Deppen. <laughs> Nick Gage? Uh, how about No Legs versus the Great Buddha? They could do that. that that's very possible. No, nah, I don't know. I really only care about what the karaoke playlist consists of. We haven't really had that lately. I mean, that really is more of a Sazuke thing. So maybe you'll get it at the Tokyo Dome. This is on the Friday, um, which I guess will be going against SmackDown. And, well, who who knows what else? Probably a dozen shows. Uh, but I, I'd like to go to this one. 
I I always want to go to them. Like I, you know, the first night this year was great. Second night was fucking terrible with the with the battle royal. But either way, they come up with like, I you you have a story if you if you watch it or if you you attended it. Is it one night or two nights? I think it's one. Yeah, it looks like it's only one this year. Probably a bigger venue. So, okay, cool. And it's not a midnight start. I believe it's like an eight o'clock p.m. start time, right. which. You and I did the midnight. We lived through that. I'm glad I went. I'm glad I could say I was there at four in, at four in the morning when uh, Great Sasuke was doing John Bon Jovi, but I, I'm fine with an eight o'clock show. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree, but yeah, we shall see. We shall see. It's, it feels like it's such a long ways away. Yes. All right, let's get into Raw. Of course, you can always go to postwrestling.com for all the latest news, and we... Go to the TD Garden in Boston, Massachusetts on Monday night. No deal Madden again this week. And in his place was Samoa Joe. Uh, overall, what did you think of Samoa Joe on this show? And what do you think the future is for deal Madden? Well, you know, like a Brock Lesnar attack, I would say, depending on who you are, uh, certainly would lay the average commentator out for, you know, at least a week. But didn't we see like Michael Cole come back like, how long did it take Michael Cole to recover from this Brock Lesnar week? attack? <laughs> it was the night after WrestleMania. We were at that show, and I'm pretty sure he was back the next week. So, I, I mean, I, you know, Michael maybe... Cole's tougher than Dio Madden. That's Dio, easy. Dio, Dio's got to get back on that on that training, man. He's he's a little soft lately. But um... I don't disagree that Dio Madden shouldn't be back until this Lesnar match is done with Ray. So I, I don't know if there there's any other reasoning for him being off. Um, it would just be pure guessing, but. Uh, did you think Samoa Joe, like, it really does seem that as Joe is out with this broken thumb, like, they have been grooming him for non-wrestling roles between the uh, the work on the kickoff panel, on backstage, and doing a three-hour episode tonight. And I don't think we should really be all that surprised, because I think he's fantastic, you know, in any type of role that, that he's been given. Um, we've seen him do, like, commentary bits here and there, and he seems to, like, immediately when he, once he steps into the role... He feels almost like a different person, you know, in many ways, it feels different from the very menacing, sinister character that he portrays as a heel uh, as he's wrestling. And instead, he, he he's it almost feels like he's just, you know, really straight up playing like an announcer many times today. He, he added a lot of like heel characteristics, which I think really made it great. But he he seems to like want to prove to the world that he could be a very professional commentator if, you know, that is, uh, it, it, you know, a, a perhaps a future future goal of his. And I think he does great. He he He's obviously great at improvising. He sounds really nice. Um, I, it very much reminds me of, like, the Taz transition from, like, the human suplex machine to, like, um, commentator. It, it, it's, it's almost like that type of, um, you know, contrast. But he's excellent. I, I think he has a real aptitude for him, uh, for this job i would i would love to see what he would sound like in two or three months if he got to do this consistently which maybe that is not the long-term plan if he's just here while he's hurt um i i didn't think this was like a plus but i saw this guy that i feel if this guy did this for two months i think he'd be really good at it yeah yeah i don't disagree i mean i i, I will say though i thought the team was an improvement over what came like with dio and it's not even just I don't, I don't even want to pinpoint it on Dio, but I think Joe just adds 
more personality. This, this more commentary personality. team needed some personality. Bit more personality, I think better insight, and I think just maybe better flow. Because, like, let's remember, Dio is probably just as new, if not even newer than Samoa Joe at doing something like this. So I think Joe, to me, came across a bit more seasoned, knew his own voice a little bit better than Dio, and had good conversation, I thought, with both King and uh, uh, Vic Joseph. So I I would stick with this team for now. So I guess the future, the question to be asked is, Dio or no Dio? <laughs> Wonderful. I wish you had a bigger, bigger presence on this show. You would have your title right there. Yeah, I can't, I can't go with that as a title. <laughs> Becky Lynch came out to start the show, and she called Shayna and Bailey snakes. And she's right here. She challenges them to come out and doesn't give a bollocks about brand supremacy, echoing the entire fan base for this Sunday. And they can end this tonight. And what better place for an Irish person to fight than in Boston. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And between Becky and Seth pandering to Boston, they were taking no chances tonight. Um, yeah, what else could they have done? Could have beaten some, like... Um... She's like, I'm just going to stand here in the corner while I uh, take off my shoes to check out my red socks. <laughs> the Iconics came out. Does everyone remember the Iconics? Peyton Royce and Billy Kay. They have been left off the Raw women's team. And I was stunned because I didn't know we had a Raw women's team. Becky just blows off the fact that she's teaming with Charlotte yet again this week. But she'd rather fight these two. So Charlotte comes out. She doesn't want to tag with Becky. But the forces want us together. And Charlotte announces she's leading this mysterious Team Raw at Survivor Series in a triple threat elimination match. And this is when Joe comes out. And I thought Joe was going to come fight these women. But he just... We cut the break and we came back and he was on commentary for the rest of the show. I thought it was really odd how they had Joe. I I guess they needed something to like go to commercial break with that like it was a surprise. But Joe, I mean, really had nothing to do with any of this stuff beyond just wanting to sit there at commentary. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe the it effect- was just very strange. Like you assume like Joe's coming out here to confront the Iconics or something. So we come back and we have a very brief tag match with Becky and Charlotte against the Iconics. Joe says that we need an analyst that is Brock Lesnar proof. And the Iconics are double teaming Charlotte. Kay is yelling that they are the future. Flair tries to fight out of the corner and then just grabs Billy Kay, is able to apply the figure eight while Becky comes in and hits a Bexploder onto Peyton Royce. And Billy Kay taps out in 216. Becky never entered this match. Is that right? She just did the Bexploder spot at the end, and that was it. It was all Charlotte for the two minutes this lasted. Yeah, quick match. Um, not much to say about it. Really, just kind of pretty pictures for for promos. Then Shayna Baszler, Marina Shafir, and Jessamyn Duke showed up. They jumped the Iconics. Becky and Flair were up the ramp, so they ran back down, and they got beaten down. As they recovered, they chased the women into the crowd, but got separated by security, leading to Becky dropping one of the security members with a right hand. Yeah. Yeah, it was nice to see NXT looking a little bit strong at this point. I think it's it's far more interesting when you have, you know, the baby faces in this situation um, wanting to get revenge on the invaders. Charlie interviewed Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins, who had won a match in Germany last week in order to get a tag title shot tonight. Kurt says that their entire careers have been preparation for tonight. I'll say. The AOP came in and murdered these two. And that was the end of Zach and Kurt and their tag title dreams. 
Yeah. And the AOP didn't even take the tag title shot. They just laid these guys out, and then they left. Maybe they didn't know that they would get the tag title shots if they just took their place. Isn't this how tag title shots work? You lay someone out, and you just gain their uh, their their title, their matches by osmosis? Oh, it's what happened in the main event. I mean, Randy and Ricochet aren't even a tag team, and they got a tag title shot, so... I was happy to see the AOP get out of that room. Everyone left the room tonight. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. Paul Heyman took took the room. So. Oh, that's right. Paul Heyman took over the room. He went it was, inside. It was booked tonight. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's nice to see it. But, you know, AOP here, they after the attack, they each of them said a word in their native language. And the crowd, of course, delivered what's all over it. So maybe still a little bit, um, bit of caution for for when they decide to do this in a live setting. The OC came out. They called the fans idiots. And AJ said he would love to defend his United States title against Humberto Carrillo. But Carrillo disrespected him. So taking him on tonight is going to be hot Carl mother-loving Anderson. Yes. And they have the trophy to prove that Anderson and Gallows are the best team in the world. Yeah, that's his new nickname, hot Carl. Mother-loving Anderson. Are you familiar where that comes from. Uh, I know that I've heard the term hot Carl, but it's not coming to me. What is it? You can Google it. <laughs> no, you don't have to do it on air. I'd recommend that you don't do it on air. Oh my God. Okay. I, did, I haven't Googled it. Carl Anderson and Alberto Carrillo. Yeah. Started off with Carrillo teasing his moonsault. And then the Street Profits came down to even things out. Carrillo comes back. He hit a high cross for a two count. Spins off the middle rope into a spine buster. Joe predicted it's now going to be all Carl Anderson. And he's going to hit him with the big ba-bam. But Carl took a Rana into the corner. Set up for the moonsault. Styles distracts. And then they snapped. Um, uh, Gallows snapped Carrillo's neck onto the top rope. There's an inside cradle. But Montez Ford flipped him over. And Carrillo got the pin on Hot Carl. Yeah, Carrillo got another win here. I thought this was a good match. I like the twist and the finish here. Carrillo, I thought, looked very impressive as usual. But when he actually wins the matches, it allows me to look back at all the cool moves that he did throughout the match with a lot more, I think, you know, positivity than just, oh, really nice, cool moves. Like, instead, these are cool moves that actually built his way towards a victory. So I was a fan of the booking here. I was a fan of this match with Hot Carl. Okay. So I... I knew that there was some connection with Hot Carl beyond its its uh, literal meaning. Uh, and I, as I looked it up, it was the nickname of former WWE writer Jensen Karp. And I remember this story when he was on David Lagana's podcast. I knew there was some connection with a Hot Carl in the past. And when you d- Google Hot Carl, Jensen Karp's picture comes up. Well, well maybe that's exactly what they... Named him after. Uh, not the been. other not the other thing, hopefully. This is the trivia note. Uh, former WWE writer Jensen Karp, who is now married to Topanga Lawrence from Boy Meets World. Wow. Okay. That's her trivia for the night. Charlie then mentions the big momentum that Humberto Carrillo has picked up. And then says, another person looking to pick up momentum is my guest at this time, Seth Rollins. A lot of momentum happening in Boston tonight. Yeah. Rollins says he had no alternative 
but to accept Andrade's challenge. He has been here seven years to the day and never backed down from a challenge. And he puts over Boston and then goes to compare himself to Tom Brady, saying he's been successful for so long that half the world wants to see him fall. Sound familiar? Um, I'm not a football fan, but yeah, okay, I can see what he means. I mean, does Tom Brady go on Twitter and tweet out really stupid things? And does Tom Brady have a stupid catchphrase that he uses at the end of every promo? Uh, I don't know. He's just probably weighed down. He's got so many Super Bowl rings on his fingers. He probably can't type on his phone. It's just too heavy. Because I would say those are probably bigger factors for uh, people turning on Seth Rollins than than just him winning all the time. Well, maybe comparing yourself to Tom Brady in in uh, Massachusetts, maybe that would uh, set some people off. He says it's not Monday Night Andrade. He's going to do what he does best, and that's burn it down. Yeah. And then Charlie says that we have breaking news coming up that you're going to have to see to believe. I and what like, we had to – the next visual on this show was No Way Jose in the ring. Actually, it was a, to, it was a Total Divas ad. So I thought she was going to announce something for Total Divas. Um, it's the lowest watch season in Total Divas history? Yeah. Maybe, maybe they said you, you have to see it to believe it because so few of you are. Maybe there's an open door policy on Total Divas and you'll see like Brock show up. Yeah, maybe Brock and Sable could do a season now that they really need to. Maybe they've been holding off on that one. When are we going to open up like the Survivor Series invasion thing to like all the shows? You know, when's main event going to invade? When are we going to get to? I think they did on this show. We got Hawkins, Ryder, and we got No Way Jose. I think they're here. That is true. That is true. Well, I guess I'm still waiting on um, the bump. Maybe watch along. Maybe maybe all those guys can jump on. Maybe uh, Scott St- Stanford. Where's Pat McAfee? He was great that week on SmackDown. Hasn't been used since. I guess he's got another job. You know, you he's know got how, mo- he's got multiple jobs. You know how difficult it was for him to get to that show. He can't rely on like the Colts jet every single time. That's true. Maybe um, maybe the other New York team has a jet. Yeah, that was awful. I'm so sorry. We're not football fans, everybody. Well, the New York Jets exist. I know. They don't play in New York, but nonetheless. No way, Jose and Bobby Lashley. Uh, Joe is laughing at Rusev, losing his woman, and asks, is the prize worth the pain? And Lana comes out with Bobby Lashley, and she goes on to announce that today, today is the happiest day of her life, which I think she's lying about because I follow Lana on Twitter and she did not have a great last 24 hours. Do you want to know why way? Did, uh, did Tony Khan tweet at her too? <laughs> Would have been funny. Um, let's, uh, let's go back here, everybody and, uh, recap Lana's last couple of days here. So, I'm just finding this. I don't, I don't want to uh, get this wrong. So on November 17th, this was on uh, on Sunday, on Sunday evening at KLM, which is Royal Dutch Airlines. At KLM, you are the most idiotic airline the world has ever seen. You lost my bags with hundreds of thousands of designer clothes in there. 
I think she's exaggerating. You owe me a lot of money now. Five exclamation points. A lot. Now, I don't know if she's doing this to just uh, have some fun. But she seemed pretty she she seemed pretty outraged and then followed up today at KLM. You still do not know where my bags are? How idiotic are you? Communism works better than your entire airline. Jeez. Wow. Um what are the responses? I'd love to know. Uh, let's let's see what uh, <laughs> the communism tweet had. Lana Lana Lana. You should have double tagged it with fluorescent lining and then destination mark. I would think you would know this considering you travel all the time, but let's just face it. It's Anthony 2, Lana 0. I don't know who Anthony is. Bruh, as a customer, she has an expectation to get her property back. I've worked at the biggest shipper in the world and losing a package was not acceptable. There's a okay. there's a hell of a fight going on here in her mentions. I don't go into people's mentions enough because man are they hilarious. A lot of people believing this could be a ruse on Lana's behalf. And maybe it is. To what what Twitter's there for. Sure, whatever. Just mess with people. We've talked a lot about Twitter on this podcast. I know, too much to be honest. We're going to go on strike after this. So Lana's out and she gets back um, to the happiest day of her life because today she filed for divorce. And the crowd is chanting Rusev Day. And she filed for a temporary restraining order and says that Rusev cannot come within 90 miles of her, and then Lashley leans over to correct her, and Lana's got to play this off cool when she says, I've been corrected. You cannot come within 90 feet of me. Big difference. I'm thinking Um, the airline is not going to fly her 90 miles ever again (laughs) in the future. But, yeah, she had to correct this because this would obviously be a storyline inconsistency when obviously Rusev is going to have to show up and stand at the top of the ramp, which we'll be told is 91 feet away from the ring. Uh, good save from Lashley here, I thought. Lashley was on top of things here because th- this would have been a glaring mistake if it was not corrected on the spot. He knows his uh, distances. Um, and it would have sounded silly for the announcers to correct this. Is 90 feet like ever a thing? For restraining orders? I've never uh, issued a restraining order, none or no, or been the subject of one, so I don't know what the, the common length is. I've, I've never quite understood what the difference is between a restraining order that is 100 feet or 400 feet. So the idea not- is you can't come near me. So 90 feet is not a – that's close. That's really close. It's 27 meters, so I don't, I don't think the – I don't think the ramp to the to the ring is that long. Donovan Bailey covered a hundred meters in <laughs> nine point eight four seconds. Do you know how fast this guy would violate a restraining order? Very, he could yeah, cover that true. distance in three seconds. So I guess like yeah, like it's either really short, like it feels like it's really short for a restraining order. Like if I was legitimately scared that somebody was going to attack me, I feel like I would at least have. I would ask for much more than 90 feet. It's like to live across the street. That's scary. Could tail you in your car. Anyway, I'm sure we'll see Bruce up again. But for the meantime, we got No Way Jose on TV. Uh, Lashley pulled at Jose's hair. They allowed Jose some offense. He danced, and then he submitted to a full Nelson in a minute 28, and then 
Lashley and Lana um, making out would not accurately describe what they were doing. They were getting ready to um, go to the next level on live television. Dude, this guy took her face off. Like, he, they were making out so hard. Lana's foundation was, like, rubbing all over like, Lashley's sweaty face. So when they pulled each other, like, they were pu- pulled away from each other. It's just, just like, this, like, big white splotch on Lashley's forehead. Like, her face literally rubbed off onto him. It was disgusting. Well, um, you know, right now Rusev is doing all these interviews and talking about this is the best storyline in WWE. You know, some people might not care for it, but a lot of people love it. And I'm just curious how these interviews and these quotes will hold up um, one day. I, I really feel like there's a great deal of sarcasm in those quotes. I think with Rusev, it's impossible not to read anything serious without, you know, when the whole Saudi Arabia thing was going down and he sent out that tweet about. Bury me softly, brother. Yeah. Well, and it's time to send prayers. I, there wasn't an ounce of me that read that seriously because it was from Rusev. Sure. Yeah. Uh, So nonetheless, uh, I'm sure one day Rusev will reflect on this angle and I wonder if he will call it the best angle going in the company at the time for his personal sanity. Yeah. So that was it. Uh, next was Seth Rollins and Andrade. Um, is Lashley, he's not, Lashley and Rusev aren't even booked on the pay-per-view on Sunday, correct? Unless they're on Team Raw. They're which, not. Oh, yeah, yeah. We already we, know, we know Team Raw. That's yeah. one of the few teams we do know on Sunday. So, they're not part of it. So I guess we're just going to wait till TLC between these two. It's already a pretty, like, Heavy card, especially if you're going to have like 14 eliminations in both of those matches. So I'm guessing they'll save them for TLC or something. Do you think that they'll, they could put together a phenomenal promotional video for their match, like the pre match video done to like red lights, red light special? I don't know that song. That's a TLC song. Oh, okay. Very dated um, references. I apologize. No, no, it's good. Yeah, it could be great. Be great. Seth Rollins and Andrade. Rollins is putting his spot on the line at Survivor Series. Why Andrade wants to be on this team and on this show, I have no idea. After several minutes, the pace picks up. Uh, Zelina Vega grabs Rollins' leg when he's going for a springboard. Referee catches him and ejects Selena after she tries a Rana off the apron and is sent to the back. So the match continues. Uh, it actually turns into a pretty good match. Bucklebomb gets countered by Andrade. He hits the running knees into the corner, but can't hit the hammerlock DDT. There's a deadlift by Rollins and hits a bucklebomb and a super kick. He grabs onto the bottom rope. I'm getting tired of the grabbing the bottom rope with the hand. I think it's being done way too much. Um, So you prefer feet on the bottom rope? I can get by with the foot, but you don't want to overdo that one either. But it's just grabbing it. I don't know. It's just, uh, it, it's just done that? a lot. It's done a lot. It's just a... As opposed to just a kick out? I almost feel if you, if you have the effort to to grip a rope, you can adjust your shoulder. Takes that way crippled? more... Yeah, it takes way more effort to push somebody's weight off of you than it is to just grab something that's there. So a boot misses, but then Andrade hits the discus elbow. That was a great sequence. Three amigos for the two count. And then a double stomp misses off the top by Andrade. He ducks, Rollins ducks another elbow, super kick, 
Falcon Arrow for a two count. And then Rollins goes to the top and gets shoved off by Kalisto for the DQ at 15 minutes and 16 seconds. Let me repeat that. After 15 minutes and 16 seconds, Seth Rollins was shoved off the top by the interfering Kalisto. As him and the Lucha House Party got their SmackDown collectible set and dressed up for Halloween three weeks later. Yeah, you predicted the week of the shirts, and yeah, this was certainly it. Um, we got not just the shirts, we got ball caps for some members. You're right, yeah. Ball caps, yeah. Um, well, how else would you know what, what brand they were from? I could not, I seriously, for the life of me, during the backstage segment when Cesaro was dressed up incognito here, I could not tell if this was Cesaro, if this was Aiden English, or if some new guy had just debuted with SmackDown. I had no idea who this was. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to tell. And I mean, if it was just Cesaro looking like Cesaro, I don't think you would be able to tell which show he was on, whether it be Raw or SmackDown, because I can't tell you that right now. I didn't know Cesaro was a SmackDown guy. So I would say for this year, yes, it makes everybody look awfully generic. But I mean, none of these dudes have any identities attached to their own shows. So I think it was necessary on this particular episode. Um, I thought this match itself was excellent, though. To me, it was like one. It was, of the- a, it was a really good match, and there was there was a string of them tonight, like really yeah. good matches with shit finishes. Yep, yep. But you know, I thought this was like a really great Rollins Andrade match. Uh, uh, one of their uh, for both guys, I think some of their one of their best matches that I've seen from either in a very long time. Great chemistry between the the two of them. Both of them basically were like sprinting for much of this while executing some very intricate counters on one another. I thought the match was so good that I didn't even really mind the non finish. You know, uh, Th- this I think, one I didn't. It was the totality of them by the end of the show. Yes, I agree. I agree with that. But you know, the fact that after after this match, the two of them had that stare down and basically promised that there would be a bigger match between these two down the road shows that they, of course, see also this also see this as a big match themselves. So I like the treatment here, and I look forward to the rematch. And where do you think Andrade will be in six months? <laughs> it's a great. It's a great question, but I mean, they're giving him wins. I mean, they called up somebody from the Performance Center just to pair with Sankara so that they could beat him every single time. So I think it suggests that they have a lot of high hopes for him, and I can't see them giving up on him as quickly um, as, as let's say, Buddy Murphy, for instance. So I think in six months' time, he'll he'll be probably like that U.S. IC title level. So the Lucha House Party is attacking Rollins. Uh... Then they fought Andrade, and then, as Way mentioned, Rollins and Andrade uh, worked together, fought them off, and Joe was just, like, laughing throughout this whole thing, and then they did the mutual respect between Rollins and Andrade, so we'll see if they revisit that. Yeah, it was mutual respect. I didn't really see it as any hint of, like, a babyface turn or anything like that. Um, I just they had a know. common enemy. Common enemy. I mean, of course, yeah, this is uh, NXT. We're, we're on the same page right now because of a common enemy, yeah, so... I don't know if Andrade would necessarily work as a babyface as long as he's attached with Zelina, though, because I think that pairing works so much better as a heel act. Maybe Andrade should have said, maybe I'm Tom Brady and you're Drew Bledsoe. Sorry. He's the quarterback that Tom Brady replaced, took over. I feel like I had a better chance with the TLC reference than that one. I'm trying. I'm, I'm shooting blanks tonight. Paul Levesque arrives in his, uh, with his entourage of cars. Akira Tozawa and Buddy Murphy is next. I cannot believe that these two got almost seven minutes of match time here. I thought for sure this was just an angle where Buddy Murphy was going to get attacked by Aleister Black on the way to the ring. But not only did he not get attacked, they did a full match here. And, man, 
this if ever there was a case in point of 205 live just branding guys this was it these guys worked their asses off it was a really great match and it was just a struggle like this crowd just did not see these guys as anybody you know I, at this point i don't know if it's so much the fact that they the crowd recognizes that these are 205 live guys as much as it is them not giving the guys like this any sort of storyline or focus at all you look at Alberto Carrillo and in a few short weeks I think he's still very much at a preliminary level where I don't know how much of the audience fully is behind him but at least you you recognize him through multiple appearances like a storyline going on with the OC you haven't had that with Buddy Murphy and you certainly haven't had that with the Tozawa which I believe this is like his first match since like since the draft so um I I thought this 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 lack of crowd reaction was to to be totally expected. Well, it's you've got to keep Buddy Murphy hot because if Brian wins the title on Sunday, Buddy Murphy would be the next contender, correct? He holds that that win over Brian. Who who still remembers that? Other than the yeah, that's like, it. When you see Buddy Murphy now, like when he was walking past Alistair Black's room, you're not you're not thinking that that's the guy who holds a win over Daniel Bryan at all, like that. I, unless he, you know, he could always remind us of it, but at this point, the value is just completely lost from that win. Do you know how much that win, like, that could be something you bring up every time with Buddy Murphy. Absolutely. Like, that that yeah. is his most defining t- uh, success on the main roster, beating Daniel Bryan. And they should, it doesn't hurt Bryan one iota to bring up that, that win. Puts over Buddy Murphy, this guy, the guy who beat Daniel Bryan. That's it. We can work from that. Yeah. So... This included uh, Tozawa hitting this bridging German, hit a shining wizard for a two count. Murphy then slides off the turnbuckle, uh, turned a cheeky Nando's kick, uh, and got hit with a kick from Tozawa into a reverse Hurricane Rana, and then landed this suicide dive. Uh, he followed that by draping Buddy's back onto the herb, uh, draping him on the middle rope and hitting the senton onto Murphy's back. But then Murphy fought back. Tozawa came off the ropes into a flying V-trigger and a Murphy's Law as Buddy wins in six minutes and 40 seconds. This match was awesome. You know, It, it was, was another, a great match. Another really good match on Raw that I, I'm with you. I thought for sure this would just be a squash given on the Aleister Black stuff. I was very pleasantly surprised to see that it was Tozawa getting like 90% of the offense here. Uh, you know, every time you see him, he, it's just like, he continues to just show how underutilized he is. And if you're not going to do anything with him, why not try to throw him into a tag team? You know, um, I've always wanted to see him and Cruz do something together to rekindle what they had going on uh, at in Dragon Gate. But, you know, they're on separate brands now, but you could still do stuff with, with Tozawa than just have him, like, you know, serve up guys here. I think it's such a waste. But this was a really great match, I thought, on TV. Eric Rowan was with his pet. And then Murphy is walking in the back. Alistair Black walks out of the room. So did you see the previous segment? Oh, did we skip over that? Yeah. Buddy Murphy. Oh, I I missed that. Okay, so Buddy Murphy, before the match with Tozawa, knocked on Alistair Black's door saying, I'm here to pick a fight. And then there was no answer. And he said, he's all talk. So Buddy left. And then I don't know what the hell Alistair Black, he must have been asleep inside this room because he woke up, grabbed his uh, his gear, and then he sprints out of the, the door like he's been foaming at the mouth for someone to knock on his door. Black looked like such a goof here. Maybe it was so dark he couldn't find the door. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
That was like the one flaw of his whole plan. <laughs> the lights were out. He couldn't find the door. Couldn't even find the switch for the light. Oh, this, this we needed a camera in the room to see why the delay of this guy getting from his chair to the goddamn door because Buddy was standing there for like twenty seconds. He's probably How long would it take you to get to the door? Whatever room you're in, where is the closest doorway? I would be at my door in two seconds from this position. I'm be. in my room right now. Could and I'll a- turn the lights out. I still think I'd find it by memory. Well, it could be a very big room, John. We don't know. But I agree with you. Maybe I thought- it's a gymnasium. We're just not aware. Maybe. It's a whole soundstage. Yeah, maybe. I agree with you that this did not really do him any favors. It kind of made him look stupid. Even when he did find the door. Oh, when like, he got out there, he, he looked so stupid. He only looked to his right, not realizing that whoever knocked on the door could also have gone to their left, too. So um, this dude has spent like the last six months waiting for someone to knock on his door. Somebody finally knocks and he he only knows to look in one direction. I thought it made him look really dumb. But So whatever. after the match, Murphy's walking in the back. Black comes out of the room and they just awkwardly stare at each other. Oh, of course. This is no how punch, it... no, like, no, no, no communication, no, no, nothing. This guy's been calling for a fight for months, literally for months, and a guy is staring right in his face, nothing. I mean, this is like that pseudo-realistic way that they like to produce their TV for whatever reason, you know? Like, they in their minds, I don't know if, like... They're writing these or, or like Vince in his head is watching all these with like some type of soundtrack in his head where like some emotional scoring and all these special close ups might might take place to like really, you know, like otherwise it would in, in, in a drama to really kind of carry convey that message. But when you're just shooting this on one camera um, with people who aren't really trained actors and just like in this type of shitty setting. That silence just looks fucking awkward, and it looks stupid. But this is how they produce TV. This is how you infer that, oh, these two are going to have a match later, not tonight. They probably just are still staring at one another. For a week, yeah. Eric Rowan then uh, comes out for his match with the mysterious pet. The Sings get chased out by R-Truth. Rowan kills the Sings, and then he proceeded to murder this... uh, Malcolm Alex Malcolm in 53 seconds with the claw slam and he stood on top of him yeah just so, a, a Rowan squash and killed someone and this like 24-7 stuff I, I, I don't I don't know why they feel pressure to try to jam it into every show because at this point they're completely forgettable they offer real, really nothing um, they don't even really take up that much time like if your goal is to fill to- time with stuff so I just I, I don't know why they continue with it. I don't know why they, if they are continuing with it, that they're not trying to be more creative with, with these spots. Instead, I think it just made this otherwise, you know, pretty cool Eric Rowan squash match feel like it's just in the body of another joke. This is what I want to see happen. I want Eric Rowan to win the 24-7 title. And I want him to feed the championship to this mysterious monster. Oh, interesting. And it's gone. Um, Or, uh, you know, I want him to lose to the monster. Like, he'll just be holding the cage on top of him, and then a referee will just cover. And then whatever's in the cage will be the champion. Maybe it's Luke Harper in there. Okay, interesting. Yeah, who knows? Are you into this uh, Eric Rowan thing? Mystery? Um, 
not into the mystery, but I'm glad. I, I think Eric Rowan did did well in that Roman Reigns feud. So I'm glad that this move to Raw, it's not a sign that they're like Luke Harper. They've just given up with. He is right back to square one. But at least with Eric Rowan, it seems that they have uh, they're 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 moderately pushing the guy. I can't see them really doing much with with Harper beyond maybe being a setup guy for Rowan at some point. Like, is are they even on the same show? No, they're on separate shows. Oh, okay, whatever. I don't know. Maybe they'll do something with him. Uh, maybe he'll be on. Uh, I'll tell you, I was way more into Roman Reigns and Eric Rowan than I am Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin. Oh, I agree with you there. But yeah, I think Rowan. You know, um, I thought we we thought we hadn't seen him for a couple of weeks. Maybe they're not doing anything with him. He was on main event of all things, teaming with like Eric Young. But it feels like he's got an actual push now. I think I love the fact that they're continuing to push him like a big man, giving him impressive jobber wins. It seems like he's almost taking Braun's place on Raw, except he's a lot more weird. You know, whatever. Braun ne- Braun thinking. needed a uh, mysterious pet. Maybe James Ellsworth kind of represented that. Yeah. Charlie's in the back with our uh, our favorite uh, tweeter on Monday night, Randy Orton, who says he doesn't play well with others unless it benefits him. He is the greatest superstar in the history of the Survivor Series, and he'll give the Viking Raiders a fight with a partner of his choosing that will benefit him. Now, you were critical of Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara getting a tag title shot. This was taking it to another level. Well, some we were in, somebody informed us that they were actually two and zero, Sammy Guevara and Jericho. So I guess oh, they had AEW, won two matches. I, I thought guess. it had only been one. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not checking these things that often. But two and zero is that enough? I guess in AEW, sure, why not? This was ridiculous, though. Like, yeah, they they won a six man together. Jericho and and Guevara. No, no, the uh, Orton, oh, Orton, Ricochet, and uh, Carrillo last week. Yeah, I mean they they weren't even tag team. And they just stepped in here and they got a shot. This is whatever. literally their first match together as a tag team getting a title shot. Yes, yes. Uh, but, okay, I understand. You you want to have a title match on, on your main event of the show as if that means anything, which I, I don't think it does. Um, Whatever. They don't... I don't think they have really that much respect for, like, who earns title shots anyway. Kevin Owens and Drew McIntyre. Now, on the surface, this match makes no sense. And the announcers played it up, the fact that these two are teammates on Sunday. So either they don't care about winning this match on Sunday. I mean, that this match was great. Don't get me wrong. But it made, like, like logically, why is this match happening if this team has any desire to win this match? On Sunday. Well, we're we're talking about the problem that I think has existed for all, for these Survivor Series matches from the beginning, right? And that's a lack of explanation about why these people are banding together to to uh, team up to put their differences aside for one night only in order to win. What do they individually get for helping their brand win? We have no idea what these what guys that are is. flying across the country to other opposing shows to attack and weaken their opponents, and yet. When we're on the same show, we are going to attack and weaken one another six but, days before the show. But I think the explanation can be simple. I mean, it might be unspoken, but are we to believe that wrestlers, you know, every match they win, the more money they can make, right? That is sort of like the 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 default, I think, understanding we have of all combat sports, right? Maybe if you win more, your your record improves and therefore you can negotiate for a bigger contract, something like that. 
I didn't hear any of this on Raw. <laughs> well, they never explained any of that stuff, but like you can assume that maybe, okay, that's the reason why these two are fighting and that they want to kill each other because both of them want to win so that they, they can improve their quote-unquote theoretical record that doesn't exist. Even if it means losing on Sunday. Like, why even you know, be on this team then? Why even risk it? Why risk a loss? If you're saying how much a win means, why even volunteer to be on this team on Sunday? Andrade wants to be on the team. Take my spot. I don't want to be on this weekend team i've just destroyed this guy for 17 minutes well you're improving your value by appearing on a pay-per-view on a big pay-per-view and therefore to you lose no not to lose but if you do okay whatever like it's you're harming your chances this would be like me attacking if i'm playing baseball and i take out our shortstop's knee before the big championship game yes okay but can't you say the same thing about war games that entire nxt pay-per-view uh, I don't even know what the men's NXT team is, so I can't even argue that point because we don't have a men's team yet for a Survivor Series. Right. Okay. Uh, Nor do we have a women's team. They have not announced I, the NXT teams. I know where you're going with this, John, uh, and I don't disagree with you. I mean, I think there are very easy explanations that they can give to to solve it all, but for whatever reason, they just haven't devoted that time to it. So we're left to have these very kind of... <laughs> I don't know. My, my question would be, debates. why this week for this match? Why this week? As opposed to I these mean, two the, teaming the, together. Well, the, mm, Against two. Another tag team? Yes. I don't know. Maybe because we, it's not an attractive match. Maybe they just wanted to profile these two. Put them against an NXT team. There were enough guys here. Kevin Owens and Drew McIntyre versus the Forgotten Sons. Um, maybe because nobody wants to watch that match. Well, let's get into this match. McIntyre gets run into the post with his shoulder and then Owens hits a cannonball and he's constantly going for the stunner that Drew is constantly able to avoid. Owens takes a Death Valley driver onto the edge of the apron. This looked tremendously fun for Owens. Owens beats the count into the ring. He took a lot. For this TV match, he took that. Um, Owens, he, Owens killed himself in this match. He took the like the bump from the apron onto the barricade. He 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 like takes every opportunity to like go above and beyond, even for a TV match. Outside of that ladder match with Shane, uh, this was like the most physical match of Kevin Owens on TV in the longest time. Sure. Um, so he takes the DVD, gets into the ring, and then immediately is hit with a sit out power bomb. But he kicks out. Then he is able to come back, hits a frog splash for a two count, pop up power bomb for a two count, and then lands on Drew's knees when he goes for a swanton. There is a super kick that cuts off the Claymore kick. The stunner's blocked again, and Drew hits the Claymore. But Owens gets his foot on the rope. Huge reaction to this uh, because they thought this was over. He finally catches Drew's leg, hits the stunner, and he's struggling to climb on top, and Drew gets his foot on the rope. Then Drew catches him with the double arm DDT. Another kick out. There were tons of kickouts in this match. Drew misses coming off the top. He's hit with another stunner. But Triple H's music plays. He comes out and they go to break. They went 17 and a half minutes. I thought this was I, I thought this was one of Owens and Drew's best matches in a while. Um, it was a great showcase for them, but there's a certain point you hit in the match where I'm sorry, you don't get a pass for such a non-finish like this. 
And if you, and if you're gonna do a non-finish, at least please give me something a bit more creative than Triple H coming out, and that's it. Like we go to commercial break, no explanation about the result of this match. No, like Triple H doesn't even touch any of the participants. There's no physical contact whatsoever. And Drew the match- McIntyre just poof disappears into thin air. Man, Drew's got to be really pissed. I feel like ninety percent of his matches over the past like couple months have all been no contest because some dude walks into the match and interrupts it. And he just, you know, again, gets forgotten about. But, I, you know, another really good match. Let's just say that. This was excellent. This was a great match. And but, it was almost, it but, was unsatisfying because it was like, what a waste of a great match. Yeah. But the non-finish this time was certainly one too many on the show. And this wasn't even going to be the last one on this show. Um, especially with the time that you've invested into it. This was too much. And again... A very uncre- uncreative out. What really would have been so bad had Drew McIntyre lost, or even if Kevin Owens lost? Who cares? You made Asuka tap out, and she just like beat Natalia again. She gets her the whole thing back. Like you don't lose anything. And I think AEW showing us that, like in wins and losses, you can actually use that to make stars. In fact, like doing it this way, nobody benefits at all from anything. Instead, again, it's just pretty pictures for promos. Yeah, it's like if you don't if you're too scared of hurting people, then you don't the you don't get the the counter effect to that by helping someone. If a if a loss means nothing, then a win means nothing. And I, I think at times they're just way too paranoid about beating anybody. Um Hunter comes out and so Drew is just it, Drew is gone. We are not gonna see him again. Owens he's is like, in the ring. He's like, fuck this. Like what am I what am I doing out here? Yeah. All of his matches get broken yeah, up like they, this. I don't want to downplay. These two had a fantastic match. Like I, I would love to see this oh, program yeah. revisited. They had like sometimes we've seen Owens, and it's a, it's it's not always like like with AJ. You'd think that's a great match on paper. It never really hit that. Drew, he had great chemistry with. I thought these two worked together tremendously well. I mean, is it, it's why it's so maddening. It's the fact that this could have been a perfect, great. Both TV guys match. needed this. Yes. Yeah, and, and it was. And I just thought it was forgotten by the end of the show. I think this was just an afterthought. So. Hunter is uh, on the floor. We've got the Forgotten Sons, Donovic Dijakovic, and Damian Priest. And Hunter would explain they're not here to jump Owens or give him an ultimatum. They're just here to prevent the Raw locker room from emptying out and attacking them. He hands Owens some water. So I guess he thinks he's all blown up from this match. And he puts over Boston. He trained down the road at Killer Kowalski's. He does a total babyface promo for Boston. And that magic happens in this building. And he's got a soft spot for Seth Rollins, but Kevin Owens is a different breed. Kevin turned on his best friend in order to get to the NXT championship, then walked down this ramp, challenged John Cena, and stood tall, legitimizing NXT. And then they took you, and you probably didn't want to leave, and you left for people that didn't actually want you. Kurt Angle fired you. Shane McMahon fired you. You belong in NXT. And before Owens can even be asked a question about joining them, the Raw members run down to attack. The Undisputed Era jumps in and attacks Kevin Owens. And then the OC runs in to chase off the Undisputed Era. Let me just say, I thought, great promo from Triple H. You know, I was very captivated by his words and telling basically the story of Kevin Owens' history with NXT. And I think, you know, making making it apparent to the audience that 
to to show that they recognize that Kevin Owens is somebody who has been underutilized, whether it be just storyline, the fact that he's been quote unquote fired in storyline by so many people, but I think also a bit more of a uh you know subtle nod to tell the audience that hey, this person should be uh capable of a whole lot more and he hasn't been fully utilized to his full potential. I I like the promo a lot. Unfortunately, the result of this just ended up being another generic attack. And by the end of the show, I mean, really all throughout Survivor Series season, it's just countless number, countless occurrences of just these generic walk out here with your shirt on, uh, attacking other people with a different color shirt on. And you have a lot of people with shaky cameras. Um, I think it works the first couple times, but then everything after that just feels, again, very generic. I, I thought this was half of a great segment because the other half was Kevin Owens responding to this. To me, it's, man, you make Raw look like everyone's listening to this from Hunter and no one's disagreeing with him. And at the very least, I think, like, why are we rooting for this Raw team? Why are we rooting for Rollins and Owens? Like, Hunter has pretty much just laid out these the, these backstories of these characters. I think this really needed a response from Owens to explain why he's fighting for Raw. And I think that would have added at least some heat to this match beyond just, like, I think NXT is very much like the babyface brand here, even if they did the sneak attack here and were chased off. A lot of that, I think, is is rather inconsistent, you know, because depending on who is invading the show, they will frame that other team as, like, a heel or babyface, but um, it kind of really fucks up, you know, their individual characters and, and if you're watching on Monday versus if you're watching on Wednesday versus if you're watching on Friday, which I would say a lot of those people are the same audience, you're all of a sudden having to, like, switch your perspectives about who is a good guy and who is a bad guy. So you're going to run into, like, really, I don't know, I think really sloppy forms of storytelling throughout this entire month. Charlie then announces that next week it will be AJ Styles, Umberto Carrillo for the United States title. Carrillo walks in. He's very happy right now. This is his opportunity. And then Charlie throws to a taped interview from Paul Heyman inside of the room where he recaps the feud with Rey Mysterio and says that Brock Lesnar was mugged by Rey with a pipe. Brock is fine. He will be 100% at the Survivor Series, but there are rumors that he was injured and he's vulnerable for an upset. So let's make this interesting. Let's make it a no-holds-barred match for this Sunday. And he's not going to give a spoiler, or he's not going to give a prediction, but says the spoiler is either Ray pulls off a miracle and avenges his family's honor, or you will see Brock massacre Ray Mysterio, and you will have to pull the footage due to its graphic nature, and it will be a public torture session. This Sunday, it's miracle or massacre. And this was a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. I thought this was phenomenal from Heyman setting this up like all the all the times that he's done the spoiler and it's played out as such. He used it here that he's not giving the direct spoiler. He is leaving the door open that his guy could get beat here and we don't know if he's 100% going into this match. I thought they framed this in such a great way that will make it believable for Ray to get heat on this guy. And I think it'll be, I, I think they're going to tear it down in this match as well. I think so too. And it's it's really interesting to maybe study our anticipation for this match versus the Kane match. Really, the Kane match was all 
this story anyway. And in hindsight, it turns out that Kane Saudi Arabia match was really just the lead up setup match for this, which really feels like it's the main event. Uh, I thought Heyman did a tremendous job. Miracle or Massacre, I think, is a tremendous tagline that I think if this was, you know, another time, they had more time for it, or if this was a different company, perhaps, they would use that to print on all the posters, use that as maybe even the name of the the, sub, the subtitle of this pay-per-view. I think it's that good. So great job by Heyman here, making this feel like it's a really, really big match. Yeah, I just thought this was a tremendous promo. It's fine. They, they went out and signed Cain Velasquez in the hopes of getting this phenomenal... Latino babyface, and <laughs> they got one, but he they had was, already had him. He was there this whole time, not doing anything for you. Like Ray was pretty much just the setup for Kane, and he comes out of, like Ray has, he's on fire right now. He has maybe never been like this much of a uh, of a feeling like a top guy in WWE as he feels right now. Yeah, I agree. I mean. You know, we say that, but we haven't really seen him wrestle in a long time. But you're, you're right. I think, you know, in a big program, he really feels like he fits here with Brock. It, he does not feel out of place at all. And we go back to Charlie, and there is Rey Mysterio to react. But first, he signals in Umberto Carrillo to come back into the shot, and he just tells him how proud you make us Latinos feel. Keep doing what you're doing. I know you can beat AJ Styles. <laughs> This guy's the best. Oh, I love this. Like, whoever came up with with this, I mean, these could have obviously been very separate segments, but just to have, to to see the visual of Rey Mysterio, you know, kind of passing the torch and giving his his, his nod of approval to this young young up-and-coming Latino character on the roster, I think does a whole lot for Humberto Carrillo, a lot more than, you know, than what else has been going on with him lately, so... I, really simple and very effective, I thought. It was just a great little endorsement, and it wasn't like a huge part of this, but it was just a nice little thing that they threw in there. Ray then says that Brock has made the mistake of a lifetime. He accepts the stipulation, and he's bringing this pipe with him this Sunday. And he asks, is the no-holds-barred stipulation to Brock's advantage or mine? And then he stares into the camera. He's going to hunt down Brock and make him pay. The old Ray would have demanded an apology, but Lesnar doesn't apologize, so he's not coming for an apology. He's coming for the WWE title, and this is for you, son. Awesome. These two promos were fucking great. Yeah, yeah. I thought the best promos on the show, and I, I loved how Ray talked about the old him. You know, the old me would demand an apology, but it he's not the old me anymore. Um, I, I thought great job from Ray, great job from the people that wrote this. I imagine Paul Heyman himself probably had a lot to do with uh, this, but anybody else who had a hand in putting it together, um, I thought it came out great. As as ridiculous as like the angle is, you know, a man attacking his son. I think Ray, when he speaks, you really do believe his words. And here they had the camera close up in on his eyes, and he wasn't wearing like any type of contacts or anything. It was just him looking through his eyes, talking about his son and the anger that he feels seeing his son get attacked. And him wanting to get revenge, and you, I mean, I, I, I very much believed him. Uh, I thought he he's been doing fantastic in the promo department, and this feud needed it. It needed something big from Ray and Heyman on the Go Home Show, and I thought they delivered. Do you think they'll have Dominic there on Sunday, and do they do some kind of angle with him? Um, I think Dominic will be there. Yeah. Uh, will they do an angle with him? Potentially. Yeah. Sure. I really think if they 
were to do something where Dominic turns on Ray, I think it would be met with a lot of negativity. Oh, no. I think it's way too early for that. I mean, they still have to do the match itself. Like, like you have Dominic turn on Ray, and then where do you go from there? You know? I think they have to do, like, a tag match or whatever they're, they're supposed to. And I don't think... I don't know how ready Dominic might be yet. Oscar and Natalia. Um, Vic Joseph mentions that this is the first time that... Uh, or, sorry, he mentions... This is the first time we hear that Natalia, Asuka, and Kyrie Sane will be teammates on Sunday with Charlotte Flair, meaning we still have a mystery woman that will be teaming with them. Okay. For Raw. Interesting. I guess we'll find out. So yeah. who is it? Asuka, Kyrie, Natalia, and Charlotte. Thus yes. Far. So we have four of the five announced. Right. And so no this, one from NXT has been announced yet. So this is another match where you have two teammates fighting each other. Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> but this was short. Okay. I'd be fine. Like, if that shortstop on my championship team, if I gave him a snap German and a discus lariat, he'd be like, I'm fine. I can start. Uh, Natalia knocked down Kyrie on the floor, then got hit with a baseball slide drop kick. They go back into the ring, and Asuka just beats her with a super kick. Um, It was like more like a buzzsaw kick, that type of thing, you know? But I thought, like, for the length that this was, I thought it was actually a pretty good match, you know? Nice, good technical work between these two. Of course, the only complaint at this point is the crowd, but this was also 10.30, which Natalia always seems to get saddled with, unfortunately. I also think it really suffered from the lack of story, despite there actually being one built in after Natalia submitted Asuka weeks ago. Remember that? No, because they didn't tell me. Yeah, no mention of that whatsoever. Um, even like, So that I don't know if this was meant to be a follow-up to that or if that was already forgotten about and they just happened to work into this, but they did have a story there that, that they could have easily told. And I think the lack of story meant that this just ended up not really making much of an impression with the crowd. Um, I guess in a way, this is Asuka getting her win back from Natalia, and it looks like Natalia's push is done for now. Yeah, Charlotte is now teaming with Becky. It's just assumed. assumed like She took that that win from Natalia, I guess. Yeah, we should also mention um, there there were a couple instances of WWE backstage ads throughout the show, more than one spot promoting CM Punk's appearance. So I believe uh, that show will do quite well. It's going to do a very good number on Tuesday night. I don't know how high it'll be, but to me, it will represent kind of what what the ceiling is for backstage on Tuesday nights at that time. Yeah. The Viking Raiders against Randy Orton and his mystery partner. You won't you won't believe it. It was Ricochet. For the Raw tag titles. I was stunned. Shocked. Um, Ivar's dive gets stopped by Orton from the floor. Ricochet then kicked off the post for a moonsault, but missed Eric, took a knee shot. And then Rude, Ziggler, and Cesaro attack the Raw guys. They're in their blue shirts and baseball hats. Uh, Orton catches Ivar with a draping DDT, and then he's... Oh, sorry. This is where they, they shot in the back where Rude, Ziggler, and Cesaro were. So the match was still ongoing. And then as Randy's setting up for the RKO, the the ominous sounds of ACDC hit as SmackDown ran down and the DQ <laughs> occurred at 8 minutes and 13 seconds. It was really weird seeing Cesaro at the Lucha House Party coming down the ramp wearing these blue shirts to ACDC. Are you as, ready? As if we were like in some type of like blood... Blood feud, yeah. It, it, you know, that song. It's not really like a pump you up, like, uh, you know, we're going to war type of song at all. It's like more so. It's more like a going to the beer store on a Saturday afternoon 
type of uh, song. You, you need quite a few beers to understand this invasion, who's on whose team and who's teaming on Sunday. So not non-finish here. Uh, oh, yeah, we've got the Lucha House Party, Heavy Machinery, Ziggler, Rude, Cesaro. They're brawling with Orton, with Ricochet, the Viking Raiders. Then the NXT guys run out. We've got Keith Lee, Matt Riddle, Tom- Tommaso Ciampa, Leo Rush, Pete Dunne, Isaiah Scott. They're beating down the SmackDown guys, and they just lay out all the SmackDown guys. They're just laying down like a like just putties, and then the Raw talent is staring at them. More NXT guys emerge from the crowd with the Undisputed Era. Raw tries to fight them off, but they're outnumbered. So Rollins runs down with all the Raw guys. Everyone's brawling, and we go to the back. Hunter has turned on the lights in the room, and he has announced that NXT will finish this in six days proving they are the A brand and announces it's an open door this Wednesday on NXT as the brawl continues where Keith Lee takes Umberto Carrillo, military press slams him to the floor, and we go off the air. The open door thing was, I think, uh, very necessary, very nice, um, and something that they probably should have been doing every single week following that great number that first week. So uh, I, you can expect... To see, it'll be interesting to see maybe what the spillover is uh, for NXT's rating this week from a mention on Raw. Um, again, a very generic type of brawl at the end here. Um, everybody suddenly changing into their their shirts, which is yeah, whatever. I want to say I thought Ivar looked really impressive in that match. You know, he and Ricochet had this really great kind of mirroring spot where like Ricochet did all these high flying moves and Ivar matched him beat for beat. So he came across really well. But unfortunately, just another non-finish, you know, not like it mattered for this match anyway, but you're consistently reminding your audience that the results of these matches don't matter. In fact, you might not even get a result if you pay attention on TV. So, you know what? You probably shouldn't watch this at all because none of this matters. That's the trading that they've been doing to to their audience for years now. So, if people are quiet for this match or anything after 10 o'clock or even 9.30... I don't think they have anybody to to blame, but but their own booking. Yeah, it, this is a mixed bag of a show. I thought some of the wrestling was really good on this show, better than most weeks. I love the Ray and Heyman stuff. I thought that was tremendous. I think they've promoted that match very effectively. I think they've done mm-hmm. a great job with that. Um, I don't have a care in the world about these elimination matches on Sunday. They are going to be such a time suck. Uh, I, I hope they're good matches. I don't even know all the participants in the matches. Uh, maybe on Wednesday we'll learn who the NXT teams are, but I'm not anticipating those at all. And that's mm-hmm. such a big focus of the show. So if you're not into the main storyline, uh, that's going to affect your enjoyment of the show. There's absolutely zero at stake. And with that many bodies in the ring, like I expect a lot of quick eliminations for people that you'll probably, uh, some people I think will, will, will get pretty upset that they're, that, that are taking elimination so quickly. Um, I'm, I could be wrong. You know, you and I could be wrong and that these could be spectacular match of the year candidates um but i don't know history tells me that something yeah, this, let's save this, this clip and let's revisit it sunday <laughs> i'm sure you and i'll feel like idiots you know history tells us tells us that like anytime you try to cram this many many bodies into a match in a el- elimination style it doesn't always turn out well but we'll see uh i agree with you i thought good matches on the show but really generic invasion stuff that um and just the lack of finishes that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And a very tired crowd that I don't really blame for being tired. As good as the wrestling was, I thought this felt like a pretty long show still. Um, and I don't, you know, I feel like uh, an invasion angle 
should be a little bit more dynamic and a little bit more spontaneous than I think what we've had in these several weeks. That first week was like brand new, you know, with NXT invading SmackDown, something we've never seen before. But all the weeks after that just seemed like retreads and just a typical pattern of, oh, middle of a match, here comes an NXT guy, and then here comes a raw, you know, jobber squadron coming to chase him out. Uh, Sometimes you might get a match and sometimes you might not. That's what they've been repeating for every single one of their shows uh, since this whole Survivor Series build began. So it hasn't really been all that interesting. Um, and and I think worth noting, like, I really feel like these style of matches, they're going to rest heavily on strong promos. And I think that's a big part of why NXT has come across strong is that you have Hunter as that lead voice. And you at least know what NXT is fighting for. They are the underappreciated brand that believes they are better than raw. They are better than SmackDown. I get a clear sense of what NXT, mm-hmm. whether there's legitimate stakes here, there are theoretical ones for NXT to prove that they are better than these two. Yeah. Uh, it's just, there has been zero in retaliation from raw or SmackDown with any promos to say what they're fighting for, what they are out to prove. And, I think there was a golden opportunity for Kevin Owens to have a rebuttal to Hunter on this show, but we didn't get that. So I don't see how you could root for Raw or SmackDown in these matches and care. Could have come from Owens, but I think it it should have come from the team captains in Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, Charlotte, and who is the SmackDown? Sasha Banks. Sasha, sure. Maybe we'll get something on on the Friday, Um, but I agree. I think every brand needed its own unique mission statement. We want to justify the five million, uh, five hundred million dollar of, uh, uh, deal. Maybe want- that's what should have been on the line is uh, the Fox contract. Yeah, yeah. Winning brand gets gets Fox on Friday nights. We want to stay two hours and not have to rely on moving to three. All right, let's go to the forum and see what everybody thought of this show. I genuinely don't know what everyone is going to uh, predict uh, or rank this show on a scale of one to 10 tonight's result a 4.65. All right, let's go through some of these uh, responses. Paul from New Jersey, the Iconics kicking off raw. It's not even my birthday. I figured one or both of them would be decent enough to make the raw survivor series team considering they're actually a legitimate tag team, but I guess, guess their stock really is that low. When Samoa Joe came out right after Charlotte, I was curious to see if he was going to try and put on a wig and start choking lady superstars out, but he was there to do commentary. I think he did an excellent job. Since I started the show late to avoid commercials, I've decided I'm just going to fast forward anything involving the cuck angle. No need to waste even a single brain cell on the storyline. The show really illustrated how convoluted the build to Survivor Series has been. It's the week of, and we have had full incomplete teams, faces putting up their spots for nothing in return, and a run-in by the Lucha House Party. Uh, He's got a question here. Will the five-on-five Survivor Series matches still be one-on-one in the ring, or will they be triple threat style? I can't imagine them doing triple threat because under WWE rules, triple threat matches are no DQ. So that would defeat the purpose of tags. To yeah, I think with. we're going to see tons of DQs and countouts. Uh, you can, but I, I think these will be one-on-one matches, which will make them awkward because you're going to have instances where raw people. Well, will why would tag. you not te- just tag one of your four partners? Why would you tag uh, an opposing brand and take I mean, yourself out they, of the match? They do this often. You just saw it in like some of these like tag team gauntlet things where you know their partners will be 
busy or you'll be trapped in a corner and you'll be forced to t- tag. But it's just like another hurdle that I think the the booking of these matches will have to, you know, uh, manage, like we'll have to jump over, unfortunately, which I don't know. I think these things could be real. The execution of this is like you can see the challenges on paper going into this. So, I mean, if they pull them off, more power to them. But I'm just seeing 15 bodies out there for each of these elimination matches, all the eliminations you're going to have to do. Uh, and two of these matches, like, God forbid we have, we could have just been fine with one, but they had to have a male one and a female one. Yeah, I think they have their work cut out for them. The agents, if these matches come off well, the agents and the talent involved deserve all the kudos. We got a Brandon from Oshawa who says, when the Lucha House Party came out to interrupt Rollins and Andrade, I had no clue what show they were on, even while they were wearing their geek shirts. I actually thought we were seeing the, de- the debut of a new Mexican stable. Uh, okay, he's you know, as much as I rag on these shirts, this is a year where yeah. I, I don't know where what brand all these people are on. So mm-hmm. in that case, maybe I have finally uh, succumbed to the geek shirts and needing them to tell. I, I had to look at after I immediately said Luke Harper was on SmackDown. I had to double check that. Visually, I think it's impressive to see like oh one one stream of color taken on another stream of color, and they love to do the, the wide shots and that I understand. I. Everything I complain about is just maybe the explanation. You know, I think a lot of these needs you can explain by saying, by just having somebody like tell tell the roster, oh, put on your uniforms, everybody. Like just to have Seth Rollins all of a, all of a sudden appear after in the end of the show, despite like all these people not wearing their uniforms. And then, oh, we're expecting an emergency brawl at the end of the show. So put your shirts on, everybody. I don't know how they would explain it, but... Anyway, it's just a little hokey. We got a Brandon from Oshawa who says, "When the Luch- okay, he says, uh, when did Lana get so bad? Is she even trying anymore? She used to be a valued member of her team with Rusev. These days, I cringe when she gets on the mic because she's so bad. Well, the material's not so great there, Brandon. So, not really sure how good she could really make it. All right, let's go down to uh, Carl and Cloverdale. Can WWE please give me one reason why any of these men and women care about brand supremacy?" Is there money on the line? Title shots for match survivors? Extra rumble spots? No, we, we've gone over this ad nauseum. Brand supremacy, that's it. MJ from NJ says, If AEW beats NXT this week, I don't think NXT is long for this world in its current form. Then again, we've been hyped an invasion from other... We've been hyped by an invasion from other brands on what should be the big go-home for TakeOver War Games. They've already messed with and ruined, in my opinion, the formula that, that made NXT great. And that took three months since announcing it. It is an interesting number because I do think this is going to certainly help the NXT number on Wednesday. This is a way bigger promoted uh, event than the OC, which really was, if you tuned in at the beginning of the show, you knew they were there, but not in advance. If this does very well, how do you react to that number? I think you react to it by doing this every week or at least, you know often like promoting NXT on Raw, which we have not seen any instance of throughout this entire time, except for this particular show with Hunter stating that comment that he has. I mean, you can't really integrate NXT characters into Raw storyline like you can this week, like this. But at the very least, I think, I guess they show promo. You can, you can, you can start. NXT is goes back and forth between brands and vice versa. Well, you could do whatever the fuck you want. Absolutely. Uh, I just, they certainly have not taken full advantage of the integration of, you know, Raw and NXT and co-promoting everything that way. I mean, that's the one big advantage NXT has over AEW. 
they have a lead-in show in Raw with a huge, like, 2 million people that they're trying to pull from Mondays to try to sample their product on Wednesdays. And they certainly have not taken full advantage of that relationship yet. So I think if this is successful, you will see a lot more of it. Uh, Guy from Charlotte, North Carolina. There have been worse installments of Raw lately, but this one is still far from what I would consider good. They tried to make me care about Survivor Series, but missed the mark again. Everything just feels so forced and phony. My patience is wearing thin by the week when it comes to WWE programming, but I guess this week wasn't offensively bad. I give this episode a resounding meh. Five out of ten. Ben from India. What incentive is there for Raw and SmackDown not appearing on TakeOver? Surely they have to appear and disrupt all the matches. Any thoughts? I don't think you will see... I, I think that Raw would be... And that Sma- crowd will will shit on Raw oh, yeah. and SmackDown oh, talent dude. showing up at TakeOver. It'll just be like One Night Stand when Raw and SmackDown invaded and you saw that very hostile crowd. Uh, maybe not that hostile, not not as much as the ECW arena, but certainly they will be the biggest heels. And I certainly feel like at the end of the show, I think you're going to see that big scene. You know, whatever War Games turns out being, the show closing segment will probably be something with Raw and SmackDown leading into Survivor Series the next time. I, I can see that. Yep. I think that they're looking at this weekend probably as it's all built around Survivor Series. All the brands are involved and it's not like Saturday's an island unto itself. We have Friday night where I expect all the talent to be on and Saturday you could see that closing scene to set up the next night. Sure. The War Games rings will look great with all those people in there. Like Raw and SmackDown and NXT. All right. This one is uh, Liz from Winnipeg. After about the fifth time I heard about Denny's 599 Super Slam breakfast, I literally yelled out, we get it, in my living room. This was a slightly better Raw than usual, but the ending just made me realize that Survivor Series is going to be a complete gong show. No good reason or stakes involved for anyone. Thank you for your hard work. Sam from Nebraska. So I think the show is able to manipulate time as it seemed like this show took seven hours to finish. The action was decent to good, but I'll admit the standard of in-ring work is so high... I just kind of don't care for Raw matches just thrown out there, especially this week with so many non-finishes. But let's get to the stupidity of Murphy banging on Alistair's door and no one answered and he walks away. Then Alistair pops out like a real jabroni. Just awful. And if they are going to do these shots from Merwin's creature, can they do it well and not half-ass it? Only the corners were in focus and it bugged me to no end. Well, you know, he's uh-huh. he's at least um, a bad camera operator. So that's one of the skill sets this pet has. <laughs> so the pet's shooting this on a cell phone? Well, when, we, uh, when he stares into the cage. Maybe the pet is a camera. Imagine he's walking around with like, yeah. A pet, a pet like a pet mini DV camera from like 2005. Oh, okay. Could be. Maybe. Could be. Maybe the uh, it's on selfie mode and he's just arrogant because he thinks he looks so great. Looking at himself. Uh, yeah. Yeah, interesting. He's Man, there's so, so many awesome ways this he, thing could end. He is the pet. Eric Rowan is carrying himself around. Yes. Samuel from Quebec is our final piece of feedback for the night. Tonight was my favorite Raw since this year's draft. I really enjoyed Kevin Owens versus Drew McIntyre, although I found it stupid to just end the match during the break. I was totally invested in knowing if Owens was going to rejoin NXT. Lots of good wrestling on the show. Main negatives were the Lana stuff, Eric Rowan talking to a camera in a cage, and too many brawls. While this is the best build to Survivor Series in years, I think multiple attacks from both brands on one show get tiresome. 
Finally, what the hell was Alistair Black doing that made him unable to open the door of his dark room in time? And why didn't he at least appear after Murphy's match seven at a time? You're right. Yeah. Why wouldn't he? Well, he didn't know it was Buddy Murphy. So we know he's not watching Raw in that room. It's like you're at the waiting room and you pick your number and your number like 55 and then you go to the bathroom and you come back. It's, oh, I, there are 58. <laughs> if you've been waiting for six months for somebody to knock on your door, you're very good chance he's probably asleep. You know, just <laughs> he's just been asleep. waiting so long. He's, he's exhausted. Yeah, oh, what a. What that's, a great... that's my favorite speculation coming out of this show. It's not what's going to happen at TakeOver or Survivor Series or Wednesday ratings. It's what was Aleister Black doing that kept him from opening the door. All right. Well, that's going to bring an end to the show, everybody. Uh, Any response on uh, Tony Khan and Randy Orton? No. Oh, let's 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 check. Let's see if anyone's gone crazy over the last uh, two hours that Wayne and I have been talking here. So let's look up Tony Khan. Do you think we'll get any deleted tweets? I hope I hope not. No. You gotta once you throw them out there, you can't you can't delete it this time. Um, no, no, no response from Tony Nothing. Khan. I'm imagining. Well, Randy, who knows? Gets back. No, he, Randy has not responded at all. We'll check Punk here. I, I think Punk is going to keep quiet. God knows what he's just started here. Yeah, so there you go. No, uh, okay. no response. You um, you watching uh, backstage tomorrow? Um, I'm going to be talking to you at that time. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So maybe we'll live. watch it. We'll watch it after and then we'll discuss it on Wednesday. Yeah, we'll chat about it on Wednesday for sure. So. Yeah. That, that will be the plan. All right. Thank you to everybody uh, for joining us. Big week coming up here at the site. So uh, we hope you uh, are not sick of us and that you tune in for every show this week. Uh, that's it. Goodbye, everybody. Have a good night.